Trollodren, Legends and Lore. Episode 17, Asura. Well, hello and welcome to Trollodon Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey. And we're going to continue with this wonderful process here we've been doing the last couple episodes. I've been enjoying it. Hopefully you have too. Talking about more information about the gods and explaining more about who they are, what they're about, a little bit more information about what they look like and kind of their area of control and so on and so forth. And kind of fleshing out what maybe some of you have been experiencing already in the Wizard King Trilogy, if you've been looking at that, or maybe will be shortly here since Book 2 just recently came out and Book 3 will be coming out in the future. We have been looking at the progress of the gods as far as they've been birthed. So their birth order, and we'll be talking about Asura today, who is the next in the birth line. Again, all these gods being born to Vakar and Zora, who were the original deities in the cosmos, the very first and they got that by basically stealing that power or ability for themselves or creating it themselves, I guess you can say, their own uh, niche in the universe. And so these are the kids that actually were born with the full divine ability, and it sets them apart in that aspect as well. And let's, let's talk a little bit about Asura first and foremost. Let's talk about how she relates to the various gods already relationally-wise. She is the sister to Girthgal, Ganatar, Draden, Ulthone, Ceredel, Astarloch, and Cuthon. Those are the first generation gods we've been talking about so far. She is the aunt to Cassilla, Andarian, Shirill, and the mother of Remenos and Perloza. She's also the wife of Cuthon, and she's one of the light gods. And again, if you're not sure what the light, dark, and gray gods are all about, check out the website chadcory.com and go into the Trollodon page for the world setting. And there should be a section there about the Pantheon where it breaks down more other philosophical beliefs and that kind of how, how they work and oppose and, and operate together and independently and so on and so forth. But basically she is one of the light gods and probably one of the more popular deities in the Trilodron Pantheon uh, next to Ganatar and Othone. Everybody basically likes being healthy and <laughs> being, being in charge of life and stuff. And that's really what she is about. She is, in general, let's see if we can talk about what she is a goddess of, health, healing, and life are her major areas of influence and control. And she is also, like Astrolach, unique in the sense that she made a pact or an agreement with Antogeny, who is the embodiment of the cosmic element of life, basically the, the cosmic entity that created all-known reality with the cosmos. And so Asura made a pact with Antogeny to kind of learn about and become schooled in and not, not necessarily a master or mistress in, but pretty well versed in the, the area of cosmic elemental life to such an extent that she's above even the lords of life who, who work with her as well. She also has served and helped with uh, various things in her realm of bios with the various uh, lords of animals and the lords of plants and maybe we'll talk more about those in future episodes but that's her her court for lack of a better word right now some of her titles include the great mother the goddess of life the healer restorer bringer of health kuthon's treasure 
and the holy midwife. And you might be wondering, why? what does that mean, Cuthon's treasure? Well, we previously said that she's married to Cuthon. Cuthon is the god of war. Uh, we'll talk about it in some future episodes here. But he is wedded to Asora. And they have, like I said, have two kids together, although she is pregnant right now at the time of this recording. And probably going to give birth to some new gods in the immediate future, which maybe there'll be a, a story about hint, hint in the in the near future. So I don't want to share too much about that necessarily right now for obvious reasons. But they have, they're one of the, the married couples as well that don't, though they're married and obviously they have some type of interaction given that she's pregnant yet again uh, with uh, some, uh, possibly one or more kids, that they have some type of interaction going on, but they don't necessarily live together. They live on their own separate realms and do their own separate things and kind of live separate lives, but they come together once in a while and have, you know, together married life as well. So it's a unique situation for them as a couple, but it seems to work. And again, they're not, you know, singled out necessarily with the rest of the gods since Drayden and, and, and Saradell do basically the same thing. So it kind of runs in the family. Like I said previously, Ganatar and Othon are the only oddballs in the sense they actually are married in the classical and traditional sense where they literally live together and they share all the resources and everything is, you know, co-equal and all that kind of stuff. So, like I said, they're kind of the oddball out in that in that example. But with Asura, she is very much perceived as a positive deity on, on in the cosmos and also on Trilodon, obviously, because she is so so beneficial to everything. When you have a goddess of health and healing and, and you know just life, it's it's always good to be on the on the favorable side of such a deity for your own life and in life extension and life in betterment and so on and so forth. Uh, her temples are usually found in, in major major civilizational areas, uh, cities, kingdoms, empires, things like that nature. You might even be able to find her in different communities outside of the mortal races where you have, you know, monstrous races or things like that, giants and stuff like that, who are very keen on wanting to get access to and interest in healing, health, and all that kind of fun stuff. Obviously, if you're sick and you have diseases or problems and things like that, you're going to want to have some healing, some health, and things like that. So birth and, and uh, marriages sometimes, too, are seen as beneficial crops and aspects of that. Uh, anything that involves life, whether it's biological, whether it's botanical, whether it's animal-based, whatever the case might be, they, you know, you want to get your cat healed up, and you go to, you know, go to Asura. If you want to get, you know, your crops blessed or something, you go to Asura because it's blessing your your life with your plants and things. I mean, it's just, she's just a very versatile, a very open and accepting type of goddess that people find themselves readily interested in and wanting to connect with, even if just on like a, a limited uh, lip service type basis. But there are also some that are very dedicated to her and want to help out people, and some to such an extent that they, they form hospitals and you know, become healers and things as well to try and help people outside of the religious context and in more of a secular, educated type of way. Um, so again, she kind of has, like I said, a very versatile and wide-ranging influence and connection with people in general. What does she look like as far as the goddess goes? Basically, she is rather attractive. Um, she seems to forever be in her prime of life, favoring long gowns with flowing sleeves, a lower neckline with some gems and jewels. Um, she has, like all first-generation titans, 15 feet uh, height going on. She has red hair that goes down to the top of her soul, uh, shoulders, excuse me, and uh, soft green eyes, 
which kind of blends in well with with her demeanor overall. Again, she just seems very, very inviting, very attractive. Uh, just never seems to be kind of at the prime of life kind of thing. Just very, like I said, very approachable and encounterable for most people in general. And why she ended up marrying Kutho, no one really is 100% sure in general. Though there are plenty of theories that abound, and maybe we'll talk about those in the uh, future episodes that come. When it comes to her religion, her followers are called the Saurians, and again, like most religions on the planet, they have different sects and different ways of worshipping Asura in general. So I'm not going to get into that specifically, but it, like I said, in general, they're there to help people, and uh, whether that's mentally, you know, physically, spiritually, whatever, and help and heal and promote you know, life in general. And as we talked about with Astrolok uh, last episode, she has that pact with Ontogeny, as Sora does. And what that has her do is, is sometimes, not always, but sometimes working in the benefit of or in the, uh, in the auspices of or you know, as representative of Ontogeny to some different things or having some input or things on certain matters that might sometimes put her at odds with the, the greater council, but... Not usually. She's usually seen as a pretty open and accepted and um, easy to get along with goddess and, and, and power in general. No one really has any issues with her. She's a, you know, no one really wants to fight her. They don't really have. She doesn't. She's not a fighter anyway. She just kind of. She doesn't want to cause any loss of life and and so on and so forth. So she's yeah, very easy to get along with. Very approachable, like I said earlier, type of deity and type of just being in general and that allows her a lot of. A lot of leeway with a lot of things that she has to do sometimes for her her patron and uh, what she has to do for her purposes as well, which sometimes put her at odds with her husband, um, many times actually, especially when it involves fighting and stuff like that. Like I said, while they're, st- while they're still together and, and, and liking each other and having kids still is, is you know, some people scratch their heads on that because they don't seem the most obvious best couple, but they've made it work uh, through all these years. So obviously there's something there that each sees in the other and uh, keeps things, keeps the sparks going. Her holy symbol is called the Hand of Life. And in general, it's just an open hand, palm facing outward with a black onk in the center. And when used on banners, the background is white, the hand is flesh colored, and the onk is white. And when it's worn by priests, the symbol is carved in relief on white marble or a soft rose court pendants and attached to a white cloth, a silk strap, or a cord. And again, how it's displayed and used can vary with each different sect of, of the religion and different even time periods or who the different races are that are that are worshipping or Asura. But in general, that's the overall symbol for her. And it's pretty much a universally accepted and, and appreciated symbol for her and for the religion in general. Like I said earlier, you're not going to have really any major issues with someone building a temple or even a, a small a shrine to a Sora in a town or a community. Most people are, you know, oh, great, yeah, here's some money. They'll even help you support it because even if they don't necessarily make her their goddess of choice, they at least acknowledge, like I said, that the importance of having someone who is for life and the ex- continued existence and, <laughs> and blessing of that life on your side and you being seen as helping that to some extent. And a lot of times, too, they these priests will encourage, like we said, the study and practice of medicine and, and other healing arts that are beneficial to, to everyone in general. So that's kind of what kind of what we're looking at, and that's kind of where I think we'll wrap out this particular episode um, for Sora. Again, she's probably, like I said, one of the more interesting deities in the sense that she's readily acceptable, but not 
she doesn't really get herself involved with a lot of people's lives necessarily in and of itself and in general if you want to look at it that way it's kind of a unique unique situation but again one of the light gods so she's readily accepted in just about everywhere the light gods are and even promoted as such because of what she stands for so again that's where we'll wrap it up for this particular episode thank you for listening this podcast is copyright chad Corey. all rights reserved